Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The steal by Iverson, posting it in! He won it! He won the game! Be there to say absolutely no way from Scott. Yes! Do you love this game? Yes, it is Sixers Talk once again, brought to you by Wilmington University. Will you works, Danny Pommels, the level-headed one, Paul Hudrick, our esteemed co-host, producer, slash, slash, let's call him Slash. He's like Cordell Stewart. It has been buried. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are once again frothy and, and, and effervescent and steaming with playoff excitement, even though the Sixers somehow find a way to lose three in a row after winning three in a row. Um, that, that is where we are here in this Sixers season. As some of the uh, excitement obviously is lost because of Ben Simmons' surgery, he's rehabbing here in Philly. But Joel Embiid, um, what a chop that was from Marcus Saul right across the hands that injured Joel's wrist. Um, but X-rays are negative. Uh, don't think it's serious, according to the team. Uh, gentlemen, how are you feeling now going into this Rockets game? Just kind of formality to end the season. We know the playoff matchup is Boston Celtics. We'll get into that in a little bit. But how are you feeling here with this Joel injury on the tail end of a Ben injury? He plays 14 minutes after playing five, six minutes another game and sitting out. What are you, what are you feeling? Well, I, them losing three in a row means nothing. I mean, ba- these are basically, for them, kind of three glorified preseason games when you look at them. You know, the, the Portland game without Joel – Pretty much the whole game, he gets hurt in the first quarter. Then you have, um, you know, the, the Suns game, nobody plays. And then uh, against against the Raptors, really, they play in the first half. Joel Embiid was only supposed to play like 15 minutes or so. So he got to that mark, and then they said, that that's it, that's a wrap. Um, it's a little – I mean, listen, <laughs> anytime this guy gets hurt, I, I, you have to worry, right? I mean, it's just we can't help it because we've seen so much and because – Every year it seems like Joel Embiid is hurt going into the playoffs and he's got something lingering. So, yeah, Danny, uh, it didn't look serious. I hope it's not serious. He's going to have, you know, the first game at the earliest would be Monday. So let's hope that whatever he's got, if it's still a little sore today, it's healed. Um, It was quite the chop. The soul came down on him pretty good. I still can't believe that wasn't – that game was really just not officiated well all around either way for either team. Uh, That crew is not great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I will say, man, Marcus soul, and I'm not one to make a big thing about officiating, but man, they let Marcus soul get away with a lot. They really, they really, really do. And I give him credit because you know what? He knows he can. So he does it. It's a savvy thing. Um, he's been around the league. He's garnered a lot of respect, former defensive player of the year. So he's the kind of guy who gets respect. So I get it. Um, but yeah, just. You know, the officiating wasn't great. Um, it, it's a shame that Joel, that that happened on that play. Maybe we would have saw more of him to end the second quarter. It's kind of unclear how that went. But, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into the playoffs. We're going to get into all that. But just from a strictly Joel and Beats concern speaking, yeah, I don't think it's serious. But I, I always worry because how can you not? I worry because it's second nature at this point. Like, it's going to happen anytime. He comes up gimpy. You got to add Ben to it as well. Gimpy, 
They I'm take tired them of that. After, like, I can't what? live like that. I can't. Yeah, I can't me, exist neither can place. I. It's frustrating. Like, so I don't know how. I think it's like, teammates too. Well, but whatever. What I'm saying is those role players, the, the Shakes, the Josh, or Hercon, Matisse, they probably can't say too much about it because it's like always walking on eggshells of any time he gets nipped up or anything like that. It would have been nice. I don't know if – well, clearly the team didn't do this. It would have been nice if in the second half they just tried him out there for two or three minutes just to give the whole fan base a sigh of relief that's like, oh, he's perfectly fine. There's nothing to worry about. But every year going into playoffs, a couple weeks after the season starts, there's going to be something that takes him out of the game that's going to make us all wonder, oh, it's happening again. And it sucks. Man, you know what? (laughs) You look at the whole dynamic of of what's happening with Joel. Like, you know, I tweeted this out and people got upset, but – Imagine having a guy like Michael Porter Jr., another player of that ilk who nicked up, has like an injury that lasts, lingers, and you have to like massage it and be careful on how you treat it and things like that. Imagine having another player, regardless of the reward. That's why I was saying like the fan base in general, just the way you were speaking, Ben, like we're not prepared or can endure that anymore. We can't endure those prolonged project type of players in any way, shape, or form. Imagine if he was here. You know what I'm saying? You're going through all those type things. No? I mean, to me, if it winds up – two things. One, if the guy winds up being a superstar, yes, like, deal with it. That's that's what Joel is, but – I know, and I get get that it's – You can't endure it. No, I didn't say that. Listen, he is a great basketball player. Would you rather just not have him? Or would you rather deal with that frustration and have a superstar? Like, that's jo- – Joel, I'm good. But another player like that, I couldn't deal with if he's if he, if he has the potential to be another superstar, yes, I, I can deal with it. Because you need superstars to win in the NBA. So, yes, I could 100% deal with another guy. Just, I get Maybe it's because I'm looking at it because I, I kind of take the fan aspect out of it a little bit for me. I'm looking at it really objectively, and I'm just saying – they need really good basketball players. So, yeah, I, I personally could deal – and I personally love Michael Porter Jr.'s game. I don't necessarily love his views on the world and everything. But um, <laughs> but his game I love, and I think he's going to be really good. And so, yes, I, I could endure that because I think having that talent, it, it pays off. Yeah, it stinks. And, like, I get fr- like I get just as frustrated with anyone when I see, man, Joel Embiid again. Like, we got to like, – Well, I know you. You know, me and, Noah are, me and Noah are behind the scenes plotting. Like, oh, man, do we have to write about this? Like, what's going on? Like, is he on the bench? Is he not on the bench? Like, maybe he went back just to take a pee. Maybe he broke his wrist. Like, we had – like, it could be – Right, exactly. runs here. But, like – but it's worth it to have a guy that's that good to me. Yes. I don't think you can have multiple guys like that on the team. You're banking on – Multiple guys that are that good but go out injury after injury routinely to keep the season afloat. So one, maybe two, but I want to bank on everything on having multiple guys like that on the team. Just isn't worth it. Like, yes, a lot of talent. It's a big risk, too. A lot of upside, but a big risk. We have a lot to get, a lot to, get to, but I, I know you, Paul, and I know uh, how intently you cover the team, and I know – you would get wary of continuing to report or have to write about someone's continued lingered injuries like has it has been with, with guys like 
just in a small uh, scope with Zaire Smith, like to have to deal with that with a guy who will be so like sought after, like Michael Porter Jr. Like you, you, you would even get tired of that. I know for a fact. But, yeah, but also, even, but if, the Sixers kind of the Sixers kind of have are starting to have like a facsimile of that two players that way. Ben, like Joel and and Ben. Um, not not that Ben is injury prone, but he has had numerous injuries that have caused him to sit out. We went from the back now to this knee to the the whole season he sat out before his rookie season. So I, I don't want to go too far down this road because it's so hypothetical in a way, but it's just tough dealing with that on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, um, Ben, I mean, yeah, he misses rookie year. It was a fluke injury. Someone stepped on his foot and he broke it. It happens to – it could have happened to anybody. It was a fluke injury. The last two years – the next two years of that, he played 81 and 79 games. So this is, this is a guy who's mostly been durable. He's had a tough year this year. I mean, it, it happens. Again, fluky stuff. I mean, like his knee has just popped out of place. Like it's, it's weird. But to me, I look at it like this. Would I rather just – would I rather have Michael Porter Jr. or would I rather not have him? And I'd rather have him. Like, like I, I get what you guys are saying. It is, I agree that it is frustrating at times. But if it's a choice between having a guy who is really, really good but gets hurt, or just having, an, like, I don't know what, an okay player in his place, give me the really good player. Like, that's just the way I'm looking at it. I see a perfect segue here as we um, move things forward. You want to talk about draft picks, and here the Sixers are in the catbird seat of that. Getting something for Markel Fultz instead of just Jonathan Simmons, and the, the pick conveys, and um, they will get a first-round pick this year. Uh, you guys – that that has to be a moment for them to kind of recapture some momentum in this off season after all the turmoil and the consternation with Joel that we just talked about and Ben and stuff like that. Here's a, a, a beacon for them. So, so the lighthouse is shining for them to bring their ship into this first round pick. Uh, am I making too much of it? Or do you feel like, you know, having this pick is a chance for them to continue to build momentum towards this championship contention? Well, as we talked about a lot, Danny, like they need – they need where they are salary cap-wise right up against the thing, they're going to be in a tax team at some point probably. You need young, cheap talent, controllable talent. So whichever guy you get in that first round, that is a four-year deal off the bat. So if it is a guy who can help you, you got him for four years, minimum. And then he's your guy, so you retain his right. So, like, it's just – it's – from that standpoint, I, I think it's huge, and they need more. Like, you know, as good as Alec Burks has been, he's a free agent at the end of the year, and I, I personally don't think he's coming back. I've been wrong before, and I don't know that for a fact, and maybe some things happen and he does wind up coming back. But if he leaves, you then have nobody really that, that makes plays off the dribble and can create his own shot and gets to the free zone. Like, you don't have a guy like that. So whatever pick that one, I, I, you know, the pick, the OKC pick, I need a player like that. I need a guy who can create off the dribble, and I need a guy who can shoot. Even if he's a guy I need, and I get it, everyone's going to freak out. Even if he's a guy for a year that maybe needs to spend some time in the G League and split his time between the G League and NBA, and he isn't a postseason contributor next season, it's worth it to get a guy with that skill set for maybe the next three years. I think it's worth it. Um, I know like a guy like Tyrell Terry, who I, you just uh, opted to stay in the draft from Stanford. When you look at his skill set and what he can do off the dribble, he's like, he has like, I think he 
was close to a 50-40-90 guy at Stanford. Like, can shoot well, can create off the dribble, can run a pick and roll. His only problem is he's skinny. So he's got he's to build up an NBA body. But I can wait, again, I can wait for that guy to do that and, and have him learn the system, do all that for a year, and then for the next three years, he could be a huge part of this thing um, and would be an excellent fit next to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So it, to me, they got to get that kind of guy. Or even like yeah. if they wind up working something out and they get like a Sadiq Bey from Villanova who can, just, who can just play right away and be a huge help to this team, that's the kind of guy they need. I mean, picking the right Nova guy, they'll actually pick the right Nova guy once and for all. I mean, watching they Mikhail the right Bridges. Guy. They might have picked the right Nova guy and just traded him. Seeing Mikhail Bridges just looking so silky smooth. I mean, we, we had a back-to-back. We had two games to watch. Um, Tough Garden, Portland, uh, Damian Lillard, and, and uh, Devin Booker on a back-to-back, though. That's just – The first-round pick, I don't put that much stock into it. It's nice to have, but – what Paul ended his statement with, it just really matters on who they draft. And we are all in agreement because they need to get young, controllable talent that can play. So as long as they pick someone that can come in and play, I think that's what matters most. Like, I don't want someone that's a lot of upside, a lot of potential, because, again, to me that just means also a lot of risk. I want someone that can play. It can be two years down the road. It can be after they put weight on. We need someone that can play, that we know can play, not someone that's built up and living off height, someone that can create their own shot, that can hit open jump shots, that can drive to the lane and play defense on the perimeter. I would highly suggest both of you checking out Tyrell Terry because that that kid can play. Hey, dreams come into reach at Wilmington University. There's a local university that's ready to bring your dreams into reach. It's Wilmington University. WilmU helps working adults reach their career goals through accredited and affordable degrees and certificates to reach new heights in your field. WilmU works. Find out why at wilmu.edu. Here we are in the process. Uh, you know, for me, the process continues as long as Ben and uh, Joel are still on the team competing for a championship but an asset for the team, something they can use, regardless of how they use it. Um, Cheap, controllable talent seems like the way to go. Um, We wouldn't have Tobias Harris if it wasn't for some of those assets because they traded away a a lion's share of what they had to get him. Um, And he's turned into a great culture guy and has been playing well in the bubble and whatnot. But here we are, like I mentioned, the back-to-back, Toronto and – Phoenix on a back-to-back, two losses. You know, I I think, you know, I'm wearing my Mike Mike Scott Hive stuff. I just want to, you know, put that out there because I didn't know if I ever get to wear this again. But my boy, he's been balling. But um, I think that when I look at the way I I look at these last few games, I'm looking for it as as a chance for it. I I want Glenn Robinson to start against Houston. You know what I'm saying? I I need for him to be as healthy – and in in a groove and systematic as possible. Um, I, I need I need you know Alec Burke sat out. I, I need him, Josh, Shake. Like like when you see Mike Scott on the floor with those two starters, Shake and Josh, it, it's just a great opportunity to create something that that hasn't been there with like another unit. You know what I'm saying? So I just need this because I know when we're looking at this Boston series, these dudes are deep. You know we talk about the live ball dribble. Um, they got that in spades. And I, I, I just look at so many vulnerabilities for the 76ers, even though they won the regular season matchup, but the, the Sixers are now without their best defender. And then um, I don't want to get too far into the uh, playoff stuff, but 
I, all I'm saying is over these next few games, or well, last game here against Houston and these last two games, I've liked seeing this, this other unit, these other players who might be competing for those minutes against Boston and, and in the playoffs in general, getting some time and rhythm. And I want to see Glenn Robinson shake that hit pointer thing off. What a, a fluky injury and weird time to pick up with how well he was playing. Yeah, uh, I mean, you alluded to the to you know Boston being deep. I, I'd argue the Sixers might even be deeper. Um, I think you know, but do they have say, it figured out like Boston? That's what I'm. Well, of course I'm, I'm they saying. don't. Of course they don't. I mean, that's that's why Boston's the three seed and the Sixers are the six seed because right. Boston did have it much more figured out than the Sixers did, and they overcame injury and they and they they rallied. Um, but I, I would say that the Sixers, from a de- I mean, getting it out there first, losing Ben Simmons, it sucks. I mean, that's that 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 hurts them. I mean, he's he's their you know their best perimeter defender. He can guard three different guys in Boston's starting lineup and do it well, and he's done it well. Um, he's pretty much shut Jason Tatum down this season. Jason Tatum really hasn't gone off against the Sixers at all this year, and that's because of Ben Simmons. So that's going to be huge. Um, you know, Josh Richardson, I guess, is going to be the one that's going to, or maybe even Al Horford. I don't know. I don't know who's going to be tested with Garden. Tatum, it's going to be very interesting to see how that all shakes out. But uh, when I talk about when you talk about depth, Danny, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bullish on their depth. I, I think you know when you see a Mike Scott playing really well, and you see even a Kyle Quinn, and guess what? Even a Hollywood Neto play pretty well. These guys might not even play in the playoffs, and you see that you have guys who, at the very minimum, can play. You know, Danny, like just yeah. you look at a guy and say, hey, you know what, Kyle Quinn, he can play. Like that's, that's, you know what? That's why I was going to ask you. you are, you, say, are you enjoying their depth defensively, offensively, the combination of both? Because I, I see more of a need for them to be able to stop guys as opposed to actually be like filling lanes and hitting layups and stuff like that. But I, I was curious. To me, it's overall play, and it's little things. Like that's what I think Mike Scott, I remember we talked to him last summer when he re-signed, and he talked about how at some point, I can't remember the coach that he said, but he said at some point a coach got into his head hey, if your shot's not falling, I think it was Doc Rivers actually. He said, if your shot's not falling, you need to figure out something else because you can't just rely on that. And, you know, you got to look at, like, all these guys come from, you know, high school programs, AAU programs, where they were the guy. They scored 20 points a game, whatever. And that was Mike Scott. Mike Scott was a scorer. Um, and, he, you know, he was a pretty good player at Virginia. And then he got to the NBA. It's like, well, guess what, bud? You're not a scorer anymore. Like, these guys are the scorers. Like, you need to find something else. And I think – that's what I like about a Mike Scott or a Glenn Robinson III or, or a Kyle Quinn. They play the game the right way, and they do all the little things, all the little stuff that you need. You need guys, again, who just know how to play the game, who know what, when to make the right pass, who know how to box out, who know how to, you know, who die for loose balls. Like you, a team needs multiple guys like that, and I don't know that they've always had that. And so uh, that's where I think a guy like Mike Scott – to me, he would be in the rotation just from what I've seen in the last few games. I think he's been that good. But a guy who just is willing and able to do the little things and plays the game the right way, you, you need multiple guys like that. What I'm worried about death-wise is it sounds like Furcon's going to get a lot of play. A lot of play guarding Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, maybe even Kemba from Brett Brown's uh, comments. He gave him an endorsement last night. And that's not something I want to see for more than five minutes a night, but it sounds it's a real possibility <laughs> of it happening. And Paul's face says it all. Like, that's what I'm stuck on right now. Like, that's what I'm stuck on. Like, that doesn't give me any confidence. This, and, this is where – not to inter- I think to answer your question, like, 
this is where I draw the confidence from. Brett has to uh, have learned something from how he got burned with Bellinelli and Ilyasova and, and the way Boston and Brad Stevens beat him then. Like, he has to have learned from that. Um, I suspect that it – I suspect that it will. And I think that his defense has improved enough to where you feel comfortable he can come in and play in, in an NBA rotation. That's Brett's comments on his ringing endorsement of Furcon. I mean, was that ringing, though? He said he could play in a rotation. <laughs> like, seriously, would you consider that a ringing endorsement? I would consider that, yes, he, his defense is adequate enough that I can play him, like, because he can shoot really well. Like, that's I'm, – maybe I'm – maybe I read too far into that or I'm mistranslating that from Brett, but that's what it felt like to me. And that, that's what it for, – for me with Furcon, like, if he's not hitting shots – you got to go to someone else. And I, I do think, to your point, Danny, I do think that he might have learned his lesson with guys like Bellinelli who just – Brad Stevens just attacked and found – Oh, 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 J.J. Reddick. How can I forget? J.J. Reddick. And J.J. Reddick. Although J.J. Reddick was, was okay defensively. Like, he was at least – again, he was a guy who knew where to be and was smart, even though, you know, he made up for some of his athletic limitations. I mean, Ilya Soap is out there drawing charges, so he's doing the same thing, but that's just yeah, not sure. enough. Yeah, no, I, and I hear you, and I, I do think that's going to be – if it gets to that point, Danny, where I think – I'll say a couple of years ago when Brad Stevens did that, when he really attacked got those guys, Brett didn't have other options. Like, he had to stick with J.J. Redick. He had to stick with Bellinelli. He had to stick with Ilya Silva because those are the guys. Those are his main cogs. Whereas in this series, if a Furkan Korkmaz is just getting relentlessly picked on, he can go to a Glenn Robinson the third. He can go to a Mike Scott. He's got options. So I, I, I just think from that standpoint, I, I, I think and I hope that Brett Brown's learned his lesson. I think just based on what you're saying, I want to call attention to the fact that here we are in the penultimate games of the season. Like they got one game before the playoffs start. And we're still talking about rotation and fit and who, who's going to be the guys off the bench and things like that. Like that's not a championship formula like this isn't a championship team I hate to be like blunt in that way and pointing that out but I, I'm just more or less you're saying point, that, like you're just pointing out the obvious I thought we were all there already I was gonna I, say once Ben Simmons once Ben Simmons got hurt I think we were all on the same page <laughs> yeah so we all still thought that they could be a, win a championship as no. as they were constructed before it been injury no. I, after I after he got this. injured, we made plans to have a social distance cookout for Labor Day. Paul, I do not want no level-headedness. I, I'm just curious. Like, how much, how, how, like, you know, 20 to 1 was the odds. 28 well, to no, 1. I, listen, they would have had – he got hurt, what, the third game in? So we didn't even get to see it. Like, we didn't even get to really – and he got – he was in foul trouble in game two. We didn't even get to see him at the four. Like, we didn't really get a look at that. So, like, for me to sit here, it's, I just think – any remote chance they would have had with Ben Simmons went out the door when Ben Simmons got hurt. I mean, that's, I think they would, they might've had a chance to be so good defensively with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And you saw what Al Horford did against Pascal Siakam. I think they would have had a chance to be good enough defensively to go on a run. Now without Ben Simmons, that's, you're literally losing one of the best defensive players in the NBA right now. So it's re it's hard for me to say that, because that's what they were so, going to hang their hats on. They were going to hang their hats on defense, and I don't know that they can quite do that the way they wanted to now without Ben. All right, let's get into this. Brett has replaced Ben in the starting lineup with Al back in the starting lineup. That leaves four spots if we're still going with the nine-man rotation off the bench. 
Who are the four guys that you see coming off the bench? If Shake is still in the starting lineup, there's uh, four other guys based on these games. I mean, Houston game notwithstanding, I mean, there's nothing probably earth-shattering that's going to happen there that's going to change your mind. Who, who are the four guys off the bench for you? Who I want or who I think? Let's do both. Okay. Uh, who I think it's going to be – I mean, Alec Burks is, I think, going to have a huge role. I really do. I really believe that. I think Brett sees that this guy just has – first of all, he's, he's hot right now. He's playing really well. He has that skill set that no one else on the team has. So Alec Burks is getting a big role. Um, I think Brett Brown has been really impressed by Glenn Robinson the third. So I think if he's healthy, he's going to have a big role. Uh, defensively, again, Brett has alluded to – it's basically perimeter defender-wise, he's got Josh Richardson and then Matisse Thibel right below him. So he views Matisse Thibel as his second-best perimeter defender. So I would think Matisse is going to get some big run. And I think it's going to be Furkan because I think Brett, Brett likes the idea of Furkan getting hot at some point and just bailing them. Like when they're not playing well, maybe necessarily they're not hitting shots, you bring in Furkan, he gets hot, maybe he has a big night, and that can help you win a game. That can save your offense if your offense is struggling. So, so I'm going to guess you would just sub out Mike Scott for Furkan. Is that, would that be your list? That is correct because I okay. just think – and I think Mike Scott shot the ball pretty well. And I – yeah, and Mike Scott is kind of in the same boat where he's the kind of dude that if he gets hot, you can't, you can't do anything. Like, you could have a hand in his face. He could be falling, falling out of bounds. Like, he just hits. Like, if he's hot, he's hot. If he's cold, he's cold. It's just, and Furcon's the same way, really. But I just think what Mike does uh, and what Mike will bring in a playoff atmosphere – like, this dude is playoff tested – and he's, he, we know he's not going to back down from anybody. Um, so, like, that's the kind of guy I want. I want that kind of guy playing for me in the playoffs. Um, if, if, you know, Joel Embiid and Marcus Smart go at it, Mike, Smart, Mike Scott's going to be in the middle of that, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Marcus Smart. So, I want that guy. Like, I, I need that guy to play. Um, I, I personally, if I'm being honest, I think it's a mistake if he doesn't play. Uh, but we'll see. Um, my guess, again, would be that. But I would, I would be looking for a way to get Mike Scott in. I was having a good morning until you mentioned Marcus Smart and a few people. <laughs> I dislike watching. I like less. the Oklahoma like, State, oh, though. I, got I, can't. Um, I hate everything about his game. But I would like to see Mike Scott get more playing time. But I think that will happen if Al or Joel get in the foul trouble. But, yeah, Furkan, Matisse, Burks, and Robinson. I think that's your four-man rotation off the bench. And it really depends. If Furkan gets hot, like, maybe he'll get more playing time. I want Mike to get – I would like Mike to get hot so he can play more because I trust his defense and he's going to give me more of the gritty stuff. I don't want to see Furkan on the perimeter against Jalen Brown and Tatum or, God forbid, Kimber Walker. So, but those four that – Paul mentioned, I don't think it's that much of a discussion. Matisse, Furcon, Burks, and Robinson. I don't know what order, but those are your – What you mean? How old Neto? He had 25 the other day. You mean, don't get how old me, right? Let, let me get the camera back crappy. on me so I can walk away. The camera's back <laughs> on me. I'm out. You know what, though? Um, I, I have posted this video a little while ago, and this is what I think. This dude really walked away. I, I really think that um, – uh, I, I posted this video a while ago. When I think of putting uh, Furkan on the court against the Celtics, there there was a, a person who was trying to release a butterfly that they had raised or something like that. And then as soon as they released it from the cage, a, their dog jumped up and ate the butterfly. Like, that's what I think of when I think of Furkan floating around out there and then, like, trying to shoot threes while the uh, Celtics are on the perimeter. But 
um, or even guarding them, better yet. But uh, I think that this could be a make-or-break moment. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying. I'm kind of making it seem like I'm being profound in this, but it's just like, you know, Brett and these decisions of who plays and who doesn't and when they come into games and the rotations and the units and who's with who on the court. Like, these are the things that where the chess match with Brad Stevens begins and ends, you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, I, I kind of, I, I did. I said on the last podcast, I felt like there was no way Brett could be taken off of this team next season because he doesn't have the full complement of guys to compete. And it's hard to change and bring a new voice in if, you know, Brett's has his stamp on his team and he's not able to actually make them go out there and execute what he thinks is the game plan. But it's just, if he goes with Furcon against the Celtics and he plays bad, it it just will really color him in a way is like not being able to adjust or, you know, change or, or, or come up with a plan B for, what they bring because if you're meeting up with them getting them in the playoffs and they bounce you in the first round and you make this huge digression regardless of the bent injury from where you were last season and the 51 seasons and things like that I think that that could act, uh, eject him from the coaching seat sooner uh, than, the men, than some people think yeah I mean to me it's always it's funny Dan because I feel like we were here last year we were talking about the same thing going into the playoffs and I'll, I always go back to its context. It's how you lost. It's not just, oh, a, a blanket statement of he needs to get – they need to go this far for them to win. No, I, I, don't think, I don't think that's the case. I think it's context. Like you said, Danny, if they lose to the Celtics and Brett Brown just gets completely undressed by Brad Stevens in four games, that's, gonna, that's, not, gonna, that's not a, a ringing endorsement for him to come back. Or five. Yeah, they, five. Well, no, but, but my point is – if they, if they lose in five games, but it's five competitive games, like, then what? You know what I mean? Or if, it, if there's no egregious coaching mistakes, it's called a it's gentleman's sweep for a reason. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, I, I, it's context. It's, it's not just flat out if they lose in the first round, he's gone. Or if they lose in the first round, it doesn't matter because Ben's I out. agree I with think, you, though. I agree with you. I think you. It, it depends on how it all unfolds. If, if some of the things you're saying, Danny, it, it, like, again, if, if Brad Stevens targets – Turk on court miles and punishes the Sixers for playing them, and Brett Brown doesn't adjust or doesn't make a change. Yeah, that that's going to be bad, and that's not going to be a great look when he has to go to Elton Brand or whomever at, at the end of the season for an exit interview and talk about why he did that or, or what happened. So yeah, I mean, or they get swept and they just look completely non-competitive. Yeah, that's that's not going to sit well with the front office. So it's not just get me to the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever. It's how like how does it unfold, so, and and how does Brett do in that stand? That's all gonna matter. I just, on top, I know you want to jump in, Ben. On top of the the fact that Ben's not playing, though, you also lose not excuse is a bad word, but that uh, reason for being out coached or out game planned. Like you don't you lose the whole Ben's not going to shoot and they're going to pack it in, and you lose a lot of that. Now it's like double team Joel and he has to find an open man and, and things like that. So yeah, no, I like I it's the the Ben injury is big, but it's not the only thing and it's going and again it's it's we're going to see. We're going to see what happens. It's Brad Stevens out coached him 2 years ago. Let's see what happens now.
Batman wants to say something. Go ahead, Batman. It's a fly shirt, I know. <laughs> oh, you you laugh at anything, man. I know circumstances and what actually goes into the four-game, five-game, six-game, seven-game series plays a, a role. It's not black or white as how far you go. However, after seeing what happened against the Celtics and Brad Stevens two years ago, the complaints last year in the Raptor series about some of his decisions, I don't think it's as much as what if he loses, if he's out coached, or if, if he's not out coached in these playoffs. But it's not like the season before it was suspended was a ringing endorsement. It was a lot of complaints about how either the rotation, how he just how he coached overall, his decision making. So even if let's say they make it to the second round. It's not like I have a lot of evidence or anyone has a lot of evidence to say, hey, this is why they should keep Fred around. I mean, if they beat the Celtics in the first round, that's pretty good. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if they beat the Celtics in the first round with no Ben Simmons, I, I'm not going to – I mean, it's going to be most likely because – partially because Joel and B will have been brilliant. But you got to give – Bred a little credit if that's what winds up happening. I mean, that's a pretty impressive feat to beat a completely healthy Celtics team without your second best player easily. Like, that's so my my rebuttal to that, Paul, would be like whether Joel went crazy for X amount of games or Brett's coaching decisions were that good. Does this one series flip all the other evidence and data we have to say otherwise that he's not the guy that should be coaching going forward? It's going to depend on the second series, too. I mean, then it's going to matter so, in the second round. If, they, if he gets outcoached like, in the second round, then yeah, maybe not. So, like, then, for, me, for me, it's just that whatever the front office decision or what, however a fan feels about him or writers, broadcasters, however people felt about him, I don't think it's going to change over the next two weeks or so. What Win or lose, unless he does some for me, remarkable job. No, nah, they're huge underdogs, bro. They like they they lost Ben, and they haven't beaten the Celtics in the playoffs in so long. And e- even with the fact that uh, they won the head-to-head matchup during the regular season, like Brad Stevens has shown the capacity to outwit Brett when they when they matched up. So, I, I, when I look at it, I, I feel like if Brett wins this series, and then. You know, how, however, like last season, you know, taking a team all the way to a seventh game on the cusp of the Eastern Conference Finals, like that was pretty significant. Like I, I'm not gonna like like take that away from him by any means. So, but this season, that, that's why I lean so much toward the fact that he will come back next season because if you're put in this situation and you push the Celtics, you know, to six or seven games, like well, how can you just? look at it as like a total net loss and this you need to bring in a new voice. But. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, tr- it's, it's a really tricky situation. And then the other, the other factor is you're going to have a really quick off season this year. Um, no matter what happens, it's going to be really weird and it's going to be quick. So then whatever coach you're bringing in, he's going to be at a disadvantage no matter who he is, no matter where he comes from. Like you um, will almost have to promote Udoka. Like that would be like your only choice. Yeah. That yeah. might be the best, and I, and to be honest with you, I I wouldn't be surprised if that was kind of the plan. Is if things don't work out with Brett, that Udoka was the first guy they're looking at. And listen, I, 
I would be on board with that. I, I think, I think he's a really sharp dude. I think, I think he could be the kind of guy who's a little bit younger. So maybe he could bridge the gap a little bit more with Joel and Ben. And I don't know. I, I, I would be okay with that. Now I will say Even this. Elton and the, and the bench, you know what I mean? But um, I, I will say this with, with the team. I mean, we talk so much about roster construction and all that and where they're at and, and where they were and all that. If you bring Udoka on, the expectation to me can't be that you're going to win a championship. The guy is a brand-new head coach in the NBA. You can't look at him and say, go win us a championship. Now, could it happen? Sure. I mean, who, you got enough talent to make it happen. But to, to expect that in the guy's first year coaching in the NBA would be ridiculous. Now, for me – I'd be okay with that. I get it for fans. You're going to get – you want to win a championship every year. And I'm not saying you can't, but the expectation maybe – because we talked about how they put so much expectations on themselves and how Jimmy Butler, that trade, accelerated everything. And then Tobias, that trade accelerated everything. Maybe they need to pump the brakes a little bit and recalibrate and actually build a basketball team instead of kind of playing like NBA 2K GM and reconstructing it every season. Well, the first thing I think of is the Doug Collins, Phil Jackson situation when I think of the whole championship thing. So, um, it's fair. I mean, and that it, could be what winds up happening. Who knows? Uh, yeah, so, you know wait, what? wait, 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 wait. So, I I hear a lot of what you guys are saying, or I hear all of it. Let me throw something at you, Paul. We've seen coaches lose their job for less, and what's popping in my mind is Scotty Brooks and OKC. I'm not saying he's the same caliber. I'm not saying he's better or worse. But every year that both KD and Russell Westbrook were both healthy, they made it to the Western Conference Finals, and he still lost his job. Yeah. So I get, I, I hear you. And, and, and that might be – well, I mean, it's, I guess that was a little bit more complicated too because if I, I could have my timeline mixed up, but KD left, that he, that, right? KD they, left they had and then a, Scott Brooks got It was fired. a year left on KD's deal. And they made the move. They brought Billy Donovan in, okay. and then that's when they took the Warriors, had that three-one lead, and lost in seven. Well, I also think too, like, and I think this is something that we don't talk about. Uh, at least this is a point that I've made all, all the time when we talk about the possibility of them letting Brett Brown go. And it's you better have that option. So I think part of OKC's deal was they saw Billy Donovan and they, maybe they got whispers that he was ready for an NBA gig and they had a really attractive job. So maybe they said, Hey, you know what, Scotty, I think Scotty Brooks got us as far as we can go, but we have a chance to get Billy Donovan and maybe he could be the guy. So maybe the Sixers have that in mind too. Maybe they, again, maybe you is the guy, maybe they see a guy that they think has head coach. I mean, clearly around the league, people think he's got head coach capabilities because he's getting interviews left and right. And, you know, the Sixers hired him to be the top assistant. So this guy clearly has a head coach. You know, he's on that track, I guess you would say. So maybe that was the plan all along. Maybe that's the guy they like. So maybe that they would be quicker to move on because of that. Maybe there's a college coach they really like. You guys can fill in the blank on that one. And so maybe they want to bring him in. Coach K? Think, nah, bro, come on. <laughs> um, but I don't, I, I don't think that – I think because of everything going on in our world and our country and everything going on with college sports, I don't think that gentleman would be interested in jumping ship right now. Uh, although maybe he would, because maybe the circumstances would be so weird that he would be more willing to do so. But, but the point is, I, I think have, I think with the Thunder's case, I think maybe it was because they had Donovan in mind 
And maybe the Sixers have someone in mind. I don't know. NBC Universal has something new for you. Peacock, the new streaming service that has all the best TV shows, including 30 Rock, Law & Order SVU, as well as Parks and Rec. Plus, great movies, including one of my favorites, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Peacock is the exclusive home for all of NBC Sports' free Premier League coverage and deep with Ryan Lockney and Law Speedways, hosted by Dale Earnhardt Jr. Learn more at PeacockTV.com. Dive into this uh, playoff matchup a little bit more. What is your level of concern about the backcourt of Josh and Shake out there on the floor together? Um, Fit has always been an issue. Shake, you know, new to the starting lineup, although we have seen them cook. Uh, but they struggle once again uh, in this last game. You know, not, you know, the, the minutes are disjointed. The lineups are, are, are not what they're going to be come playoff time. But, you know, if, if you're two starters, you know, if the Celtics were to leave Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum out there, the offense will be in good hands. But, you know, and defense as well. But, here with the Sixers, that's not quite the same. Not that, you know, that's the point guard and the shooting guard compared to the small forward and shooting guard for the Celtics. But you know what I'm trying to say. Like, we look at the these matchups and you see how Brett, you know, puts guys on the floor like, you know, Mike, uh, who I never want to see at the five anymore. Uh, please don't do that. But um, you see guys I mean, like – I thought he was fine. He was fine. But five. Deep, there's no defense. He just goes straight to the rim. Everybody's just score, score at will. Um, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's better than Rocco at the five, but, like, this other thing. He's ah, right. Rocco's hanging in there at the five, man. <laughs> um, I think it's shot suffers. Um, not to get to because because on the other end, it, it shots so flat. But um, I think that uh, – I, I, all I'm trying to say is, do you see any concern with Josh and Shake out there with, with the fit and the flow? I, I just – I'm concerned there. They, they just can't seem to find rhythm when it comes to – you know, when they're on the floor together, like one guy's cooking, one guy's not, or they're both playing bad. Do you feel the same way? Uh, not 100% what you're saying. I get – I concerned, yeah, sure. I definitely have some concerns because Shake's never been in this role before. Uh, he's never been in the playoffs. Josh, you know, we've talked a ton about Playoffs Josh. in his, a bubble at that. His, Playoff in yeah, a bubble. His up and down game defensively, we talked about Josh out. You know, look at the Portland game and how ridiculous he was in that game. And, then, you know, he was – I don't know. I thought they were both fine against Toronto. Like, I didn't, I didn't think either one of – like, I think Shake has been fine. Like, I don't think – he hasn't stood out. He hasn't been great. I think he's been okay. And I think that's kind of what they – they just need him to be steady and hit, and hit open threes. That's literally all you need from Shake. You don't need him scoring 39 points or whatever, 38 points every scored against the Clippers. You don't need that guy. I, I don't need that guy in the playoffs. I need a guy who can get it, get them in the offense, not, not turn the ball over, which he has not done, and hit open jump shots. That's what I need from him. With Josh, yeah, I mean, Josh, I need more. Josh, I need Josh to score. Again, I need him to hit open shots. I need him to create a little bit. And he, now that Ben Simmons is out, he's. we talked about this last time, he's going to get all the tough assignments. So I imagine – if I'm just looking at it, he's getting Kemba Walker. I would have to imagine first things first. He's getting Kemba Walker in that first series. And that's not the easiest matchup for a guy like him. So uh, he's done well. To say, I should say that he has done well against him this season. It's certainly better than any of the Sixers did last season against Kemba Walker. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I do have some concerns for sure. But I think, like I said, I think Shake's been okay. And I think Josh, I just I – need, I need something in between – 
what he was the first few games and what he was in that Portland game. I need something in between that. Man, I'm not confident. I am worried that Kemba is going to look like that 2010, 2011 NCAA run. I think he might go. He might go crazy. I'm sure it's something they can do to figure it out. Hopefully, Brett Brown can figure it out. But that goes back to a previous conversation. It's. I think that's going to be the matchup right there. If they can slow down Kemba and Jalen, I think the Sixers have a legit shot. Maybe that's putting too much pressure on Shake and Josh and Matisse. I think Josh and Matisse should be up for it. Oh, don't shake your head at me. I can't help but shake my head at you sometimes, Ben. I love you, but I can't help. <laughs> I love it. you too, man. Um, but no, I see if you. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but if you look at um, what Josh Richardson did this year against Kemba, he actually did a really, really good job on him this season, um, and the. That's the kind of – I mean, he's – don't get me wrong, Kemba's very good, um, and he's a tough matchup for anyone, but he's actually done pretty well against Kemba this season. Those kind of players, those, like, shifty one guards, he's done pretty well against them. So, I mean, I know he struggled with – obviously with Dane, but, I mean, Dane Miller's also on another who does, freaking – Who doesn't, who doesn't struggle exactly. with Dane, though, so, yeah. He's, he's on Mars right now. He is not even on this planet right now. Like, he's These playing, playing games are about to be – I know, dude. I'm pumped. It's going to be fun. Um, but, yeah – my big, I'm worried about the two biggest matchups I'm worried about are I figure Al's getting Jason Tatum. That, that's my assumption. And I figure that Tobias is getting Jalen Brown. So those are the two matchups that I'm more worried about. Um, was all Al, was, to, Al was locking Siakam up last night, though. He was. And that's what it – and, like, I'm, I'm – I, I, maybe not as much concerned as I am intrigued by it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I could see Al having – having a good series against a guy like Tatum. I could see him giving Tatum some trouble. Um, but then Tobias, who, again, improved defensively, no doubt about it. Like, you could see the guy put in work and effort. He's gotten better defensively. But Jalen Brown is really evolved as an offensive basketball player, so I'm worried about that. And then Shake's going to have to guard Gordon Hayward, which that also could not end up being – if Gordon Hayward gets hot, that might not end up going well. So the matchups are a little bit tricky. But um, – so, yeah, I mean, to me, actually, Josh against Kem is, might, might be the one I'm feeling the best about, if I'm being perfectly honest, um, as weird as that sounds. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be – listen, they're, they're, it's, it's going to be a really tough series. They're in a fight, man. Like, it's, it's not a great matchup, and especially without Ben Simmons, it's a really tough matchup. Gentlemen, let's leave a little meat on the bones because we have a podcast coming up Monday, and we'll probably – I think maybe it'll play Monday or Tuesday, but we'll, we'll probably be previewing – uh, the series itself, because uh, a lot of questions, a lot of issues, um, some positives for the 76ers, though. Uh, hopefully this uh, Houston game brings more of those positives. Paul, the website is always a positive. Your writing is a positive in my life. What are you working on? Uh, so right now I know Noah just got a story up on what Ben had mentioned, Brett Brown talking about for Concord Maz and how he kind of gave him a ringing endorsement uh, as a guy who he thinks can be a rotation player in that series. So, yeah, it's, it's an endorsement for Brett Brown. So, Noah got a little bit more of that and kind of looked at it as a whole and whether determined whether or not he thinks he can do it. Um, and then we're going to have a bunch of stuff leading up to the playoff series. We're going to wait till see what happens in the Houston games, who plays and who doesn't. But we got a bunch of stuff coming as far as previews going into game one, whenever we find out that is. 
I'm going to make some pancakes. I hope you gentlemen have an enjoyable day as well. Um, for Paul Hudrick, the level-headed one, for Ben Barry, excuse me, for Slash, I'm Danny Pommels. We appreciate you listening to Sixers Talk brought to you by Wilmington University. Wilmington Works. We'll see you next time. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.